I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I hope you're doing fabulous because everybody, today is Sadie's birthday. So Aww. happy birthday, Sadie. Thank you, Audra. I love that I we love have birthdays so close together. I know. We're little May babies. I love it. Um, yeah, happy birthday. I just, I already gave you a shout out on our Instagram because I just, Think you're awesome and this doing this mm. podcast has been so fun and I hope you just have a have had a birthday as as lovely as you are. Thank you. Thank you. I have. It's been really good. I've have felt very spoiled and loved this whole weekend that I've been celebrating. Yeah, and a little belated happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and all the different forms that mothers take out there. Mm. Um mm-hmm. I know for both of us, our mothers definitely helped encourage our love of reading. I grew up seeing my mom read books Mm. all the time and talk about reading and she would never not buy me a book that I wanted and really encourage that. And so I owe a lot of my love for literature to her. So thank you to my mom for that and a lot of other mother figures in my life that encouraged my love of reading. And Mm -hmm. um, Joyce Acosta was a big one. She was my first grade teacher and kind of like a second mom. And she was a great, you know, she was my first grade teacher. So it's kind of where I Really started getting into reading, yeah. Yeah. So appreciate all those people out there that added to that. And I know your mom's a big reader, too. She is. And, you know, all the teachers that I've had. And, you know, too, like, for people who um, have struggled to read, I think having parents who read and good teachers to encourage you is so important, especially early in life. And I've just, I've been so lucky and makes me very, very grateful for the ladies in my life. Yes, for sure. Man, we're just going to start every podcast being super sappy like this. I think that I know. this is going to be our new MO because that's so fitting for us. Yeah, I just maybe, love we being sappy. Start, maybe we should start it's putting so comfortable for me in the yes. show notes telling people when we stop being Skip sappy. Skip past this, right? Instead of spoiler alert, it's like sappy alert. Yeah, sap so, alert. Yeah, be prepared for that. All right, well, we will stop with that before we get into some more discussion about Reservation Blues. Sadie, will you remind everybody what our next book will be so they can go pick up a copy from their local bookstore? Yes, so we will be reading and discussing The Importance of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde. So if you can pick up a copy of the play, I definitely recommend that. If you also want to dive in a little deeper, there's some really fun film adaptations out there of the play that I think are also good and me probably yeah. will discuss and get into those it's not a long it's not gonna take you long to read it's super mm-hmm. funny um so I recommend maybe we should uh maybe we'll pick a movie um to do we can do the second part yeah um because I think it would be fun to to see it since you know it's a play so just like Hamlet seeing kind of those adaptations I think is really helpful for one's understanding and appreciation of of mm-hmm. literature Mm-hmm. especially the humorous plays like that. I feel like oh, watching yeah. it be performed just makes it all the funnier. Yes, for sure. Well, awesome. I don't think we have any other announcements. Um, uh, why don't you share, what, what has your physicist slash mixologist made for you this evening? You know, actually, 
I made this one. What? I know. And I was still fancy. So mm. I made myself like a a gimlet um, with like a but with elderflower. You inspired me with the elderflower and it's so good. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, gin. I'm using Empress gin because I love the color and um, elderflower liqueur and lime juice. And then I thought it would be good. I splashed it with a bit of cider rose, cider rosé. Nice. It's really good. It's not quite a wine. It's definitely more of like a cider, but it it actually does taste a little actually rosy, like florally. Mm Mm-hmm. This is by Nine Pin, um, and it's really good. It just adds like an extra level of bubbliness and deliciousness to it. Oh well, that sounds delicious. I'm impressed. So thank good you. For you. And again, in a cute class, and it's a beautiful mm-hmm. color. Very impressive. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I'm drinking a, a vodka mule uh, with cut water vodka, um, and it's it's pretty good. It's a little nice. more ginger beery mm. than mm. I like. I sometimes it's a little too potent um and this one's maybe just a little touch more ginger beer ish Mm. than i like but it's it's still delicious and i like mules nice this sounds good. the animal and and the drink (laughs) me too yes we have a mule at the barn oh really yeah our farrier takes him when he goes hunting but we keep him at the barn and you ride him like he, he jumps he's our jumping mule Oh my gosh. It's really fun. That's yeah. awesome. He's, yeah, he's really cute. His name is Porter. I like, love that. Like me, Porter. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> That's very really fitting. adorling. Yeah, he's cute. He's a cute little creature. Big creature, not little. All right. Well, um, I we kind of touched on it last time, but one of the things that I've been thinking about reading Reservation Blues this time around um, is kind of the idea of who the writer is and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. their um, life and attitudes and actions can can or cannot influence kind of their work and, and how you interpret it. So you brought it up last time, Sadie, but Sherman Alexie's been, maybe you can just run through that again of kind of the different accusations and what his response was and we can kind of yeah. talk about it. Yeah, so um, around 2018 when the Me Too movement really got going for amazing reasons it's been an amazing thing to watch um uh, various ex-students and other admirers and other uh inspired uh some of his mentees and stuff yeah yeah yeah, reached out and basically said that he had been really kind of like sexually aggressive with them like I don't think that they went as far as to say that they raped them he raped them or anything but definitely there was some sexual misconduct and he definitely took advantage of like I think his power and influence over them Mm -hmm. and took advantage of the mentor relationships that he had and he's as much as admitted it you know like he's not trying to deny it he pretty much has said yes I have hurt hurt people and you know it's just one of those things where it's it's a hard question of how and should we even like separate art from the author um, in that way. And it's, it's just a difficult question that I think I go back and forth on quite a lot. And Sherman Alexie also gets, I think, some criticism for, uh, I mean, I think he puts this stuff in his work for a reason, but he has gotten flack sometimes for his like rhetoric around, um, like half breeds, which we see mm-hmm. in this book a little bit and, uh, the way he writes women as well, which I think we'll talk about, but 
Yeah, yeah and it's I think, just hard. Yeah, and I, I think thinking about that and then kind of examining how he writes female characters is interesting. I also think it's interesting kind of in the second half of the book because our last podcast we talked about chapters one through five and in the second half of the book, you know, there's some pretty hard scenes in there with mm. checkers mm-hmm. where there's two. So, so they, when we leave them, they're getting ready to go to New York um, and kind of get this record deal. And there's two music executives and oh, Sheridan after general George Sheridan and damn, damn it. Tell me the other one's name. Oh my, my mind is, I just read it. I can't believe well, I feel better that it's not just me. But um, uh, here, Sheridan wait. was the one I remembered the most. And then there was the, I mean, there's the one that like apologizes because he sees yeah. the right. like, blood on right. his hands. Gen- right. So they're both named after generals and military figures that were involved in warfare with Native Americans. I know, I mean, General George Sheridan's the only one I really knew that much about. But mm-hmm. there's these, you know, scenes where it's like kind of told like it's in through a dream, but you know, Sheridan's like, he's, he's raping checkers, um, and he's very violent with her. And so I think it's interesting too. There's lots of, um, stories and scenes and dreams that have to do with being taken advantage of and kind of power, you know, power struggles, both, um, sexually and, you know, I mean, there's this power struggle between the record executives, the music company, the, that whole scene in general and Coyote Springs and like what's mm-hmm. what's being taken advantage of what's not you know and and with Betty and Veronica I think mm-hmm. they're they're taken advantage of that way they're basically they're put in they color their faces and they try to dress them up like they're Native Americans and they make this famous record and so it's and then you know Thomas hears their songs which is it's his songs it's mm-hmm. him and it he feel I mean it's like he feels this violation so there's all this different there's all these different ways that he writes about people being violated. And, and it's interesting to put that in juxtaposition with people who felt violated by Sherman Alexi. Yeah. And it's frust- what does that mean about intent? And yeah. it's frustrating. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's kind of makes it more frustrating for me because to me, it tells me that he like is aware of all those things that he's not just like ignorant to the way that his behavior affects other people or like, I don't feel like he's ignorant to what, you know, positions of power can do and how people can take advantage of other people. So for me, you know, it makes it seem like it's more of like a conscious choice that he's made. And that's, I think, like difficult to grapple with. Um, I don't know. It's I, I still go back and forth on like how much we should be holding these people like I want to hold them accountable obviously but like some people would even argue that we shouldn't have purchased his book and we shouldn't be talking about it right and I don't think I agree with I don't know like I still feel like he has stuff to say so it's hard for me to like discredit like the question for me is how do we balance it and like should we discredit all the things about it a person or an artist because of a part of them that's really negative and awful. Yeah. I wish I had an answer. That would sure be nice. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like for me, most of the time it turns into not discredit, but make sure that that's a discussion. Like that should be discussed. It shouldn't be ignored. It shouldn't be, 
um, yeah. swept under the rug. Um, but yeah, it's like, what's that line between, you know, erasure or accountability and what does all that mean? And I, I guess on the Pollyanna side of it, I, it's a good thing that we're just even discussing these things more and that it is even something yeah. that's a conversation. So, you know, without talking about it, if we're not aware of our blind spots or aware of our, you know, humanness mm-hmm. in everyone. And if we stop putting people on pedestals, that's, that's how we're going to find growth. Um, so I guess looking at it that way, it's, it's, it's just good that we're talking about it, but yeah, yeah I mean, nice if, to have an answer. If anything, it kind of tells me, you know, like, or reaffirms my belief that like any kind of like cult of personality or any kind of like grand idealization mm-hmm. of somebody, um, as the voice or like the artist or the person of a whole people or you know I mean and Sherman Alexi is saying that in the book yeah like he's he's even pointing that out like this veneration of Indians like Mm -hmm. you know this this veneration of anyone really where you ignore all facets of things if you ignore all the different parts and pieces of history and of people yeah. You you can't. Like you have to you have to have it all out in the light. Like <laughs> it's all gotta be there. I think he's making that point. Not I don't think that has anything connected to anything, obviously, but like that he's making some connection. But I think he's bringing that point up that you've you've gotta look at all of it, even the the ugly ugly stuff. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like his character Victor, right? Like we don't necessarily like Victor. <laughs> No, you know, we do but, not like Victor. But, but we still feel, or at least I feel throughout the novel that there's still like this hope or this feeling that he has something to contribute. Um, and then it's, you know, it's kind of frustrating when he doesn't quite measure up, but there's, yeah. but there's still a feeling of like his experience is still valuable to like learn from, um, or read about, and I, I don't know, maybe that's that's also how we can look at the author. It's just, I think, harder um, to kind of deal with when authors are still, like, around and living and, like, profiting off of... Sure. ...of, like, supporting them. And for the most part, like, I support the book industry because it's not just the author that benefits up from it. It's the entire industry every time you buy a book. Um, but I don't know, it's an easier less muddled like personal moral obligation when you're talking about like an author who's dead you know it doesn't affect them anymore right no good point and I I think that idea you know of how to um handle uh kind of those people that disappoint you you know I mean it's Mm -hmm. disappointing to learn things that are not very palatable about people that you admire and respect. And I mean, he brings that up in the novel. I think the the relationship between checkers and father Arnold is interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, she, I mean, she falls in love with him and he kisses her back. And I I love how, when he is writing um, the characters, like interacting after that event, he switches back and forth between saying father Arnold and Arnold. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so then father Arnold has this like crisis of faith and, I'm going to leave the reservation. Well, then I'm going to leave the church altogether because of what happened, you know, because of this kiss. And, um, and so I think it's interesting how he goes back and forth and takes away this father title. Just, I mean, it's every other sentence almost like as he's going back and forth in his mind, but you know, that idea of the church is this like 
safe space or that wouldn't mm-hmm. happen. Um, but it's not like he, it happens without checkers. Like checkers wants that, but it's still almost like bringing this man of God down from his pedestal to become yeah. just as a confused and ignorant human as everyone else. Yeah. He's definitely, I think playing with, you know, people of authority versus peers Mm -hmm. and like how everybody is kind of going through a very similar crisis in a lot of ways. His crisis of faith is like, I think very similar to the other crises that we see throughout the book. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just interesting when you you think about his personal life and then like where he decides, I think to place a lot of the, um, kind of empathy or, or forgiveness in the book is just really interesting to me. And some of it kind of did rub me the wrong way. Um, I don't know. Like I had a, I I had a hard time like, uh, emotionally kind of processing or accepting the moment where big mom tells Victor to forgive the priest that hurt him. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, Mm -hmm. she talks about how he's just so sad and feels so guilty. And he's like in this old home and he, old folks home and he just cries all the time with guilt. And that, uh, I don't know. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I just don't really like. Did you I, feel I that know. didn't fit with the character or like the message? I the message kind of made me uncomfortable. Not the idea that mm-hmm. like Victor shouldn't forgive only so far as trying to let go of it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's fine, but just like the, I don't know, the way it was almost like worded. It was it was kind of like you should feel like bad placing for him. empathy on the predator as yeah, well. Yeah, like. like not even just empathy like more of more sympathy like empathy I feel like I can understand Mm, more like almost taking some responsibility away like not not the level of accountability that you feel is warranted yeah like that poor man Mm -hmm. hasn't forgiven himself he's just in an old folks home and he cries all day long like that poor man I'm like what (laughs) like at and as it should be and the problem is what like yeah (laughs) yeah that kind of rubbed me the wrong way um but I know that you know like Big Mom is supposed to be this character that kind of like transcends time and like I understand that I don't know like maybe with that time she has a different perspective on it but for me well, that, but I think, that moment yeah. did rub me the wrong way no I mean that's not a great I, I don't I don't think that's a something that you would want to hear like especially if you were in that situation and I think it's interesting that like I mean but that that's what happens right like these horrible traumatic events happen to you and there's everyone's got opinions and everything and everyone has you know, wants to either help or tell you what to do for good or bad reasons. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. you get those responses that are like, Hey, move on, forgive, forget, like, you know, telling you kind of how to handle and process things. And I think that, um, how, like what big mom communicates is almost like that voice for that. Cause I think that that gets told a lot too. Like, yes, these horrible things happen to you, Mm -hmm. but look how sad this person is, or look what, you know, what happened to them that led to this. And so it's, it's almost like this, these misguided, um, you know, people are trying to help, but it's often mm-hmm. it's misguided because we don't really quite understand. And how can we? We we haven't gotten to that point, but we don't quite understand the trauma and how it affects people. And so we we try and help without really understanding it. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah. It makes me just wonder, like, kind of what he. Was trying to do there. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's I see. I can see how that would be unnerving. I think some of a lot of the stuff he brings up is is un 
unnerving. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish there was more with the characters of Chess and Checkers and Big Mom. Like Me they're too. they're they're pivotal characters, and I think they have really important roles and voices and and are um, written well. Um, but I do wish there was more, and I think that's probably partly. Um, because Thomas is the main character. This is about Thomas. And then I think it's partly just maybe they're not quite as developed as they could be. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds really arrogant to say. Like, no, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's like a, it's one of those things where I feel like if, if I had written this book or if I could rewrite it, that's something I would lend more time to is the, the female relationships and what chess and checkers might get out of a relationship with someone like Big Mom. Well, and I think just because there were snippets of it, I don't think that it's written in a way where the female characters are dismissed or not important. Right. I think they right. are important. I think I just wanted more of it. Like I liked, there was just brief mentions here or there of like um, scenes where chess and checkers like were doing a sweat lodge with Big Mom. Mm-hmm. And like he, I feel like he has in this novel and in most of his writing he has these really interesting um powerful female characters Mm -hmm. and so I want to have more of that like I want like what did they talk about in the sweat lodge like what yeah what more of their experiences because I do think they're really strong interesting characters I just want it to go further you know like I would I wanted more of their backstory and again, there's only so much time. There's only so much you can do. But yeah. I feel like I'm always just left wanting a little bit more to know more about these female characters because they're great ones. Like, I think Chess and Checkers are awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, well, how they're written and they're pers- like, just I think they're great characters. I want to know more about them. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like unsatisfying, I think, as a reader, because it also feels like he's just so close to getting it. Like, he's just so close. Like, if I just got, like, one more or two more scenes, you know, right, like, right. that went really in-depth, it would be so close. And it's the same kind of thing with, like, his discussions on privilege and authority and taking advantage of people. Like, it's like, oh, you're so close to, to getting it and seeing how you're doing the same thing, maybe. But I don't know. It's like almost. And like to be fair, this it. is the debut novel. Like yeah. to be fair, yeah. So, so you, know, you know, maybe um, he gets it later on. But <laughs> I mean, his other novels, I do think, are more. The characters in general are more developed. So that's yeah. it's important to remind myself of that. Like, some I think it's good to think about of like when I think, and that's what's important too to know about the artist, know about your author, because it's mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to connect those things. Um, when was this written, and what? what has their life been like and when was it in this period of life and you know because you're who you are always seeps into your art I'm assuming speaking as a non-artist but I can't imagine it would not how could it not so um I think it's it's good to think of those things when processing how I feel about the novel yeah I I definitely agree I will say like I really enjoyed this novel I think I mean, I don't want to get into necessarily what we liked or didn't like about it, but, um, and you know, outside of like Sherman Alexi and the way that he treats his female characters, I find the end of the novel really interesting in the way like that it kind of refocuses a little bit more on like Victor and Junior and their relationship and then also Junior's, you know, downfall and then you know, also refocusing more on Robert Johnson, who, you know, we start with 
and Mm -hmm. getting more into his story and the choices that he had to make. I I find it really interesting and it felt like a really big change of pace from the rest of the, the novel. And I just, I loved how it ended, even though it was really sad. Oh no, it's beautiful. I mean, like where, you know, so Chess, Checkers and Thomas are in the van and, and, um, they're driving and it says a shadow horse was running so close to the van that Chess could have reached out and touched it. Then she rolled down her window and reached out to touch that shadow, that horse. It was hot and wet. Checkers reached out of her window and touched a horse of her own while Thomas drove the van, illuminating more shadows galloping down the road in front of them. Those horses were following, leading Indians toward the city while other Indians were traditional dancing in the longhouse after the feast, while drunk Indians stood outside the trading post drinking and laughing. Robert Johnson and the man who was probably Lakota played a duet. Big Mom sat in her rocking chair, measuring time with her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth there on the Spokane Indian Indian Reservation. She sang a protection song, so none of the Indians, not one, would forget who they are. Mm. Um, And it goes on a little bit, but it's just a lovely ending and it fits I feel like with Thomas where there's this like sad optimism but yeah it's like just moving forward you know just this idea of continuing of survival and moving forward which I think is a beautiful little thing to pinpoint on um in the midst of all of the sadness and trauma and I mean they don't get their record contract it's not like it has this like stereotypical happy ending of a novel but it is a happy beautiful ending in the sense that they're all surviving and alive and that in and of itself is a is a beautiful thing you know to have people try to eradicate you and to still be alive and mm-hmm. and influencing and um you know finding forging your own path like that's that's really hard as shit and like a lot of people don't have to experience that and how yeah. fortunate we are but there's it's, just it's a beautiful ending with that. Yeah, like I just think it shows the resilience and, you know, the, the shadow horses riding with them. To me, like the imagery of horses throughout the novel seem to be, you know, their ancestors in a lot of way. And the idea that like their ancestors are like riding with them, behind them, supporting them in a way is really stunning. But, you know, and then it's also really sad, too, because we get this hopeful ending. But, you know, it's predicated on junior suicide and. And Victor kind of getting on the wagon and then falling back off and mm-hmm. kind of the lack of uh, opportunity that he has to fix his situation. It's just, it's, uh, I don't know, like it's, you just kind of get hit with sadness and then yeah, blasted back get again into to feeling hopeful about stuff. But the Victor and Junior stuff really actually broke my heart, like... Because I feel like it paid more attention to them at the end and their relationship and how much, like, they loved each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the idea that maybe he, you know, like, kind of sacrificed Junior for the guitar is a really sad thing. Yeah, it's a... That hits you hard for sure. Well, and it's ambiguous. Like, we don't know if he ever says, yes, like, I'll give you that. Yeah. But the death of it after that conversation, I think, suggests to me that he yeah, says yes. Yeah, it's pretty heavily heavily implied. Um, yeah, I don't know if I could really list off a, here's what I liked, here's what I didn't like. Um, I, I think it's, it's a great novel. I was really, I think it 
Um, I'm glad we read it after they're there. It kind of was a nice um, bookend to some things that we talked about um, in that podcast, but yet so different. I just love how lyrical his novels are, his writing is, um, and funny. So it's a great book. I hope you guys got a chance to read it. And if you didn't, even though we're moving on for our next podcast, please read it. It's great. And any of his, even if you just check out his short stories or his poetry, Sherman Alexie, despite um, things that maybe aren't very palatable about him, Mm -hmm. um, is, in my opinion, a wonderful writer and artist. And those things just can add to the conversation, which is always good. Yeah. And if you like film and you want to see these characters again, maybe at a happier time in their lives, I would watch Smoke Signals as well. I really love that movie. Have you seen it? I have, but I haven't seen it since high school. Yeah. Um, we had like a film class in high school that we saw it in, so I, I will definitely check it out again. Are you reading um, or listening to anything else? Um, I'm trying to think. No. I've actually I've kind of been in a lag. You know, we get mm. in a lag too, I feel like. I mean, we still do a lot of reading because we're reading for the podcast, obviously. But I feel like I haven't been reading much outside of it. But I did just get... Um, a couple of books. So when we first started, I was reading through the Shadow and Bone series. Yeah, which is now a Netflix yeah. series, right? I've yeah. heard really good things about the Netflix series. I haven't watched it because I was like, oh, I should read the books. But um, You should read the books. They did a lot of different things in the show. I will say that. Okay. So okay. They, they really like manipulate the timeline a little bit. Um, and then... There were a couple characters that I feel like they completely rewrote. <laughs> gotcha. Um, for better. They made them better. Um, they were characters that I like hated in the book and then I really enjoyed them. But it's a really great show. It's a great book, um, especially the, the duology, which is like a sequel to the trilogy. Um, it, it's a really diverse book, actually. It's really incredible. The author, um, Lee Bardo. Bardugo. She came out with the first series and a lot of people kind of criticized it because it's a very white cast of characters Mm -hmm. and she listened to them and then she made a duology that was some of the most diverse representation I've ever seen. Um, And the the TV show, I think, just expands on that and makes it even more interesting and makes it a bigger topic of conversation and... I really enjoyed the series adaptation. I thought it was really good. Nice. Interesting. Well, I will definitely have to pick that up. I, I reread uh, Seabiscuit. Oh, uh, I've never read novel. it. Oh, it's a good book. Um, the I mean, the movie's fine, but the book's really good. She's a really great author. She she Obviously, there's so much, many more details than I'm sure a lot of people saw the movie. It was pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that has to be left out that's really interesting, especially because she does a really good job, Lauren Hillebrand, of setting like the, the time period. Here's what was going on in the rest of the world. Here's what was going on in America. Here's why these things were meaningful and had impact in certain ways. And mm-hmm. um, really good. Uh, so I reread that because I was talking with my um, trainer about it and she was telling me about this one scene in the book and I was like, Oh, I should read that. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's a really good book. So I picked it up and reread that. And then I started a book on Freud, oh, like fun. about Freud and um, how he, he was pretty much just a charlatan. Um, <laughs> yep. And so I've started that. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's pretty intense. Like there's a lot of like, I mean, it's a biography of sorts with the focus being, pretty much how he how he shammed everyone basically um oh wow but it's it's pretty good so far um 
I think that's it. I did listen to a really good podcast that I'm recommending. It's called The Line. Ooh. And it's focused on the trial of Eddie Gallagher. He was that chief. Um, he was a Navy SEAL that was brought up on war crimes charges for mm-hmm. killing a Iraqi um, prisoner and shooting at two civilians. And it's a mostly centered around that case and like what happened and like they have audio from the trials and stuff. But then it's also talking at large about that culture and that community and oh, wow. what our military asks people specifically in the special forces to do and how that may affect them like <laughs> mentally as well and how maybe we're not really having the right conversations about these mm-hmm. things and um really interesting he has he interviews with Eddie Gallagher and with his wife who's a really interesting person she how she handled things so I really recommend it it was very it's an interesting story but it was like really thought-provoking um nice especially because I have like military family and so I was like okay this is like it's a really good podcast called the line and I can't remember the guy who hosts it and produces it but he's got a great podcast voice in my opinion and he did another really cool series about or podcast about the tv show cops and like oh what that how that affected us culturally and also like the history of it really really good um he's got a great podcast voice I'll have to listen to that it's five there's there's five episodes out okay um and they're not super long so it's um he's very compact with everything it's really good I totally recommend it I've been needing to listen to some good podcasts because I have a project going on at work right now um we're archiving some of our so I work at a district attorney's office this is regarding something really old so I can talk about it um but I'm doing archiving for some of our really old cases and there mm-hmm. was a serial killer case um, from the 90s that I'm archiving. And I'm archiving like all of the reports that were given to the DA's office from the state police and the FBI as far as like their leads and investigative work. Mm-hmm. And did you ever see the movie Spotlight? Yeah, the one about the journalists that exposed the, the um, priests yeah. in Boston. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah. So one of the, I just rewatched it because of something I came across while I was archiving. One of the leads that they had for um, one of the murders, it was a boy, a young boy, he was like 11 or 12 years old, um, was one of the priests that was exposed Hmm. in Spotlight. Interesting. They like, so it was a priest that was actually convicted in Western Massachusetts of uh, sexual misconduct, uh, in, like back in 1992 or something, but he was a suspect because he was the prime suspect in a murder but from the 70s that the church knew that he'd molested the boy that was killed in the 70s. They could never prove that he killed him, but they knew that he molested him, and the Springfield Diocese had just transferred him to a different parish, even though he was the prime suspect in a murder. Um, (laughs) yeah, so he was, even though he was eventually charged, like, after he was a prime suspect in this case, um, he was still technically a priest, he was still getting a monthly stipend, even in jail from the Catholic Church, (sighs) and the Spotlight team was the reason, their article on him, and how he was still getting a stipend from jail. Ah. They were the reason he was finally, like, disrobed and, like, 
whatever the term is. But yeah, and it was the first time that that's been done in the Springfield Diocese history, and it was because of their work. And so if you haven't seen the movie Spotlight, I yeah, would really recommend it. It's good. Really important stuff. And it was just interesting seeing that kind of come up in my actual job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's it's like six degrees of, unfortunately. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I recommend, yeah, definitely check out that movie. Um, but before you do any of those things, any take any of our other recommendations, <laughs> make sure you pick up a copy of The Importance of Being <laughs> Earnest and read that. Shouldn't take you too long. And um, maybe check out check out a version. I think there's three movies. I'm going to have to look that up. But I think there's, and I think there's one where they made it an all-black cast. Really? Yeah, which. Oh, I haven't seen that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, maybe that's the one we should watch. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, so that's, so pick that up first, read that first before you take any of our other recommendations. Um, so that way you can enjoy our discussion next week. Um, we'll see if we'll do one or two episodes, probably maybe like one on the, on the play and maybe one on some other interpretations of it. Like we did with Hamlet that seemed to yeah flow pretty well. Um, Oscar Wilde's awesome. So pick up his other stuff too. I mean, picture of Dorian Gray is just such a great novel but I wanted something funny I did too <laughs> I, did I feel too. like we've been dealing with some like heavy stuff so I could use some some funniness for sure me too all right well thanks everybody we hope you enjoyed reservation blues or at least our discussion of it um I don't think we will have any cause to be sappy next week so you don't need to worry about dealing with that I think we've got that <laughs> out of our system um we'll see at least until like the holidays maybe yeah it might get it might ramp up <laughs> around the holidays right. around the holidays All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Sadie. Thanks, Audra. Bye. Bye.